hopefully everyone can sing about that one day where you were saved, and because of that day, you have the other day to look forward to where, where we get carried away to be with him. Praise, praise God for those truths. Um, we're excited to have Brother Glenn with us to open the word of God, and I'd like to invite him at this time to come and break the bread. Again, it's a, I consider it a blessed opportunity when you get a chance to look into the Word of God. I thank the pastor for allowing me to do this. We pray for him. Probably after 12, 12, 15, he's going to feel kind of uncomfortable eating some delicious food. <laughs> I'm just going to put this over here. I'm left-handed. Uh, and I probably won't even touch it. If you have your Bibles with you, and I'd like to have you turn to the Gospel according to Luke. It's good to see everybody out this morning, and uh, trust that we all come to, to ask the Lord what He has for us, not just to be a hearer, but we can leave here being doers as well. It's good when we can get together in fellowship. And uh, especially when the topic concerns our Lord Jesus Christ, we not only do we fellowship, we walk away being edified. John, Brother John, he read the passage uh, which we'll be getting to, the parable of the Great Supper, verse 15 of chapter 14. But in the first part of the chapter, I just want to begin to read. It's interesting. Uh, It says that, And it came to pass, as he, that's the Lord, went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. One thing about our precious Lord, he he was not, uh, didn't separate himself from certain groups, but he was willing to show his love and goodness to all walks of life. He was not a respecter of person. And so even when the Pharisees would ask him, or the publicans, although he didn't agree with their lifestyles and and their doings and their practices, yet he was willing uh, to come only to be glorified through that situation. So we have this story here uh, kind of unusual. You can almost feel the, the coolness. You know, it, it came to pass that Jesus went to a house of a chief Pharisee. Most likely he was probably invited by maybe one of the friends of the Pharisees for the purpose of watching him. And if you go to the beginning of the Gospel, Luke, and come up to this point, they watched him quite often. And, and sometimes they, if they could remove him from the face of the earth, they would love to do that. But they're trying to find fault. And when you look upon Christ and try to find fault, that's a fault in your part. You'll never find any blemishes. And so in this household, of all the guests that were gathered together, watching Jesus, waiting for an opportunity that they could say, Aha, we got you. You know, we don't have to be in the house of the Pharisees. We have neighbors. And they're watching us. And they're waiting for that, ha-ha, I got you. 
Uh, we've been praying for our neighbors, and that's how uh, one dear lady came to know Christ as they came and worked on our roads. And my wife says, you know, we need to pray for more. So we've been praying, and, and uh, they've been in the city of Norfolk. They've been taking the old houses down, building these new uh, houses. So our road is uh, probably more uppity than probably we want it to be. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, when I was 20 years old, my house had an outhouse and had a pump in the kitchen. So anything beyond that is just luxury to me. But anyway, I don't know if I could uh, stand this, you know, mod modern city. <laughs> but nevertheless, the Lord has built, or had, the builders had uh, built these nice homes, and there's three in a row. And in the homes, I don't know if it's official, I, uh, I think a squadron from a helicopter squadron may be part of the group there, I thought of uh, Brother you, Brother Spain. But nevertheless, they were having a, Good time one day, had their friends and guests and, and uh, getting kind of a little rowdy, a little loud, and all of a sudden I can hear, boom, you know, almost like a gun went off. You know, when you're in Norfolk, you, you're sensitive to those sounds. You, you know the difference between a fire, firecracker and a gun. And so it didn't sound too good. And I could see them look at the neighbor's house, who uh, that couple, they're in the military, and, and uh, they're looking at the side of the house. I said, oh my, did they shoot something and whatever? But they were firing off, I don't know, I would probably call it a blockbuster. It was just as loud as, or a cherry bomb back in my days. And uh, <clears throat> it got to the point that they were getting ready to do some more, and they were shooting some things up, up in the sky. And, and um, so finally, I, I kind of stepped out as the good neighbor I was. Hey! I said, uh, you don't want to do that. That's, that's not legal. And they're kind enough and gracious enough to, to deal with me, and they, they put it away. And I said, oh, great, you know, here I am trying to be that witness, you know, as we all are. And they're probably one of the folks watching us. You can't help but see a guy in his shirt and tie and carrying a Bible every Sunday. And uh, so I thought, Lord, I wished I did it a different way. Uh, my daughter, she was lacking of sleep. And she came downstairs. I think she was going to go over there and murder them all because <laughs> she couldn't get any rest. But anyway, it's amazing when you get sleep and rest. It's, ah, I love everybody. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> but we all been there. But anyway, my daughter was a little, little fried too as well. And so I went over there. And the following day, I, I think I caught somebody on a Monday. So one of the men, it was a Thursday, or I guess Wednesday morning. Let me get this right. Might have been Thursday morning, bringing out the trash cans. So I, I went over there. I said, Lord, i got to say something. And my wife said, before, we need, a, we need to be with us. We need to invite them over for dinner. And I don't know if she just said those words, but anyway, I, I held it to it. So I went over there. And I said, look, I, I, I appreciate you guys when I told you not to do this, um, that you immediately uh, responded graciously and I just kind of somewhat, I didn't cry, <clears throat> but I kind of apologized to him because I thought, here's an opportunity, here's a witness, and I could have ruined it. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity that I didn't ruin it. And he was just gracious and kind. He said, oh, we getting kind of a little carried away. And I said, well, I'd like to have you, you know, sometimes we'll work out a Sunday dinner. Maybe we can have you all over. I told my wife, and almost caught her teeth on the floor. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I don't know how big of a group would come over, but anyway, but it's an opportunity. We see here that these guests weren't invited as an opportunity. Most likely it was just um, as they invited Christ, they came to observe him, to find fault with him. And there's people trying to find fault with me and find fault with you if you're in Christ. And we may never, may never know. We could be a stumbling block of that person ever coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ by the things we say, by the things we do, and where we go in the whole nine yards. So it's interesting. They're, they're watching him. But the Lord knew the hearts of men, and knew, he knows them. And, uh, and in their group, verse 2, behold, there was a certain man. Now, we may come to the end of the chapter. We are going to read the chapter, my wife told me not to uh, go over too long because they're nursery workers. But uh, we'll see how, how we do it. And therefore, verse 2, And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. I'm not really sure I tried to un understand it. Could be swelling, could be something, inflammation, or swollenness. Matthew Henry seems to indicate this man was obviously maybe in his legs or his feet or somewhere there was a physical uh, Discrepancy that indicated that, you know, the Lord knew everything, that he had the dropsy. And he was from their group. Now, whether he might have been related to some of the Pharisees, but he was there in the household. Maybe uh, uh, they just took him in because of his condition. And, but nevertheless, the Lord used that. He had this issue in verse 3. And Jesus answering... And spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it, is it wrong to do good in the Lord's day? Is it wrong to heal? And they held their peace. And he took them. Now they're holding their peace because, aha, they're thinking, we got them now. And our laws... It's unlawful to heal on the Sabbath day. We get them now. Let's watch, guys. Take notes. We got them. And the Lord, hearing their answer. Now, you say, wait a minute. He heard their answer. Where do we read that? Let me see here. And Jesus answering, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, it is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Now, now where, do they, where do you hear the answers? He heard it from the heart. This is how the Lord judges. He judges the heart and the intents of the thoughts. And by the way, our heart can never be trusted. I think of Peter. When you think of Peter in relationship with the Lord, did Peter love the Lord? You say, yes, that's an obvious answer. Would he do harm to the Lord Jesus? Again, no, he, he loved the Lord. Now, remember when Peter thought something was going to happen to the Lord, he said, I'll even die for you. And his intentions was, Lord, I love you so much, I'll protect, I'll give my life. And the Lord says, Peter, you don't know your heart. Before the day is over, the cock will crow three times, and you'll have to deny me and curse me. Be careful for those who know their hearts. You don't. I'm going to toss this out in relationships with one another. Just be careful as you're dating, 
whatever you may do, don't trust your heart because we don't know it. He didn't know his heart enough. And if, he was, if the Lord would have said, Peter, before the day is over, you're going to deny me. So I would say in your relationship with one another, boyfriend, girlfriend, or any situation, don't trust your heart. Because the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? The only one that can know the heart is the one who made us. That's the Lord himself. And Peter had no idea that his actions would escalate. If he had asked him, he would be in shock. But we see the result. And Jesus answering, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. But they answered. And he took him and healed him and let him go. That was the Lord's answer. He did, you know, it's better to, to do than just be a hearer only and not a doer of it. So he didn't say, okay, he can be healed and just left it off that. He, he demonstrated. And that was his answer. Knowing their hearts and knowing what was stirring up inside and answered them saying, which of you shall have an ass or a fallen ox or an ox fallen into a pit? It will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day. That's a good question. He wouldn't ask the question if he didn't know the answers. And by the way, when we come to Christ, we must worship him and in truth and spirit. He, he knows all about us. And try, to, and try to lie and try to make something that's not made up. I remember I was talking talk to my wife. I forget the connection of the conversation. But anyway, when the Lord was dealing with me and I thought I had to find out if God can save me. If, if there was an opportunity for him to forgive me for my sins. Based it on feelings, I said, I don't feel that he can. And he would. But I have to find out. I have to be 100%. And I remember tossing up a prayer to God, really thinking he wasn't going to hear me. But I said, Lord, I don't know why I do these things. Just something that comes over me. I'm basically a good guy. And uh, I don't understand this. You know, it, it's, it's not me. You know, it's just this influence. Wasn't too long after that, I came back with another prayer. Wasn't the same day, but it was enough to realize, Lord, I'm a liar. And if there's any hope for me to go to heaven, you have to scare me into it. Because if you don't, I'll never go. Once the guilt is gone, I'm gone. And the Lord got my attention. In other words, Lord, you have to do it all. Even if I see the way and the door is right there for me to enter, I'm stupid enough that I won't enter. Lord, you got to do it all. you got to do it all. And he will. And he can only do that all. So he, he asked a question that he knew the answer. And I, I'm kind of wondering, <laughs> here they are, they're silent because, very subtle, we got him, we got him, guys, we got him. He's going to do something that's not lawful. We got him. And we can accuse him and condemn him, discredit him to all that will listen to him. We got him. The Lord says, well, if he won't answer, then you're going to be shamed not to answer. The Lord got him. He revealed our heart. 
and out of shame, they kept their silence now. It was not a smartness thinking that they had one over them. Now in shame. Would they pull out an animal that had fallen into a ditch? They would. And wouldn't necessarily be the compassion of the animal as more of the expense of the animal. Now, we don't have animals, but we have six horsepower, eight horsepower. And if one of our cars went to the ditch, we wouldn't walk away and say, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's all right. You know, that car, the way they cost today, and if you ask these men from different countries, and they, they just marvel at the, the vehicle, the van we drive is a 15-passenger, built, uh, was sold probably 2000, uh, as a 2000 model, probably maybe 1999, when they came out. And they said, a vehicle like this, I heard someone tell me many years ago, a vehicle like this would cost in my country about $80,000. And so if our car got into a ditch, we just wouldn't walk away. Uh, we may love it, but I think the, the value of the car, now if it broke down and died, uh, driving my wife's Volkswagen, it, it died on how many times on me. I was tired of fixing it. I, I could walk away from that one. <laughs> uh, had no problem there. But uh, they would. They were guilty. And even in the group, they're probably thinking, I've done that, he's done that, he's done that. And so they could not answer him again to these things. Now, the Lord becomes the host. <laughs> you know, the, the chief Pharisees, they were the ones that were supposed to be hosting this little, their guest, uh, not in the, the way that they thought it was going to happen. They... They were going to direct this thing to find fault, but the Lord becomes the host. And when we keep our mouths shut and let the Lord speak to us, he says marvelous, wonderful things that our hearts just burn within us if we just let him do the speaking, we do the listening, let him work in our heart and allow us to do the doing of it. They could not answer him again these things. And he put forth a parable to those which are bidden. And he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, Now, as the Lord was in the room, the chief priests and those that came in, I don't know how many in that crowd, but he was saying, when you have a party, just don't invite the mayor and, and the representatives and all these high officials, doctor, lawyers, because you're only doing it hoping that, well, I invited you, now <clears throat> invite me, bring me over. Let me come to your house, let me, let me dine, let me see how you live. And that's what they were doing. And they were finding, uh, verse 8, When thou art bidden to any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest rooms, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee, and him that come and say to thee, Give this man place, Thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. In other words, they were coming in and, and getting the choice spots, sitting at the, the head table in the selected areas, thinking that they were worthy of it. And the Lord said, well, a master of the house may come and say, look, what are you doing here? I have somebody else that's more honorable than you. And for shame, you got to kind of leave that high spot you chose that you thought was for yourself 
and you had to take the back seat somewhere. Our Lord, he was an example. He left the Father's heaven, and he should have had the choicest spot, but he lowered himself even as unto a man. One day the Lord will exalt him, and he'll be put in his right place. When you invite guests, he says, don't invite those that are rich, well-to-do, and highfalutin, hoping that uh, you'll get an opportunity to be with them. But he said, verse 10, but when thou art bidden to go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he had made thee to come, he may say unto thee, friend, go up to the higher, thou shalt, uh, thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meet with thee. For whosoever exalted himself shall be debased, shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Then he said also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again to recompense be made thee, but when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. In other words, he says, if you really want to have a joy and happy party, invite those that are unable to pay you back. You know, when you have friends, and you get together in conversations. Is the conversation about yourself? If it is, and you're waiting for somebody to talk to you about yourself, what we're doing, we're just polishing our own trophies. Yeah, I'm, yeah, pretty good. You said the right things. Yeah, we're kind of buffing ourselves up. But when you have the, the poor and the lame and those who are unable, those who cannot, if they weren't invited, they would never be in a place like this. And you sit down and you seal your mouth. We know all about us. In fact, given this time enough, we'll kind of elevate ourselves, you know. We'll kind of add on to it. But when you get an opportunity, be silent about yourself. Direct your conversation on the one whom the Lord has put you with. Where are you from? And you'd be surprised to hear where folks are from, where they came from. It could break your heart. And you'd be so amazed, Lord. I can't imagine why anybody like so-and-so is here on how they got through all that stuff. And when you talk to others and get to know them, your heart begins to be knitted with them. And God gives you an opportunity. Now, for our ministry, I don't go out in the highways and the hedges that compel them to come in. But the Lord has given me many ships, many countries, where I do have the pride. Uh, some countries are a little bit prouder than the other and do things a little bit differently. And uh, it's humbling sometimes to... Uh, to say, I don't know if I want to invite them out shopping. I know how they are. <laughs> it's like kind of rounding up little children, trying to make them behave. But when I say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. You love these men. And 
my choice, I wouldn't choose, but Lord, this is your choice. This is your ministry. I'm in your vehicle. You, you just drive me. But Lord, you got to send me. The other day I was with some Chinese. <clears throat> Didn't have sure pass. Mainland China. And I, they couldn't come off the ship, so they, I couldn't take them out shopping. And so I, I tossed up the question. I said, well, is there anything I can do for you? Can I do any shopping for you? And of course, they don't know me. They're kind of hesitant. And um, so begin, they begin to open up their heart and, and show me some things that they wanted. And we wrote them down. And of course, they, ha they had their phone, you know, the age of technology, which is still above my head. They're on Amazon showing me all these electronic things. And of course, you get a price, which is different on the phone, because uh, online shopping is probably less the amount than when you go into the stores. So they wanted a couple items. And the price in the store was a little bit higher. But I thought to myself, I was with these Chinese. I said, Lord, I'm just looking at them like I do with my children. I don't stare at them. I look at them. I marvel at them. And I try not to get caught. I said, boy, those are my daughters. Those are my sons. And I, I just thank the Lord for that. And I look at these men. I said, Lord, here I am in the presence of men from China. Who would ever think? Lord, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And uh, these are those I'm bringing in from the highways and hedges. This year alone, we made contact with men from the Philippines, from Holland, from Croatia, Burma, Sri Lanka, India, Ukraine, Russian, China, Romanian, Bulgarian, Christmas Island or Kitapas, and Peru. 5.30 this afternoon, I'll be out with some more men. I don't do ship, new faces, new opportunities. And as I was helping these Chinese, the language is limited, and I said, by the way, guys, can I take your picture? We're in a room on the ship there, and, and they all got off and kind of gave the peace signal and this and that. And one of the guys, I showed him my family, and of course you showed Chinese, a family of 10, plus grandchildren, they just, whoa, you're like you're in a chicken coop, woo, you know, you hear all the, you hear all the hens, you know. <clears throat> so they saw Robert with his uniform, so he quickly showed me. Uh, he was a police in China with the military uniform, and he'd show me how they would train and show some pictures in their training, you know, the karate and kung fu, whatever it may be. So he's gonna demonstrate, you know, he said, grab him by the throat. <laughs> And I say, well, Lord, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing and I'm ready. <clears throat> but anyway, it's just that little short time with him for the two days. And got their shopping needs, some tracks that I had, and some uh, DVDs where they could hear the gospel and the language. I was just thankful. I kept my mouth shut about Glenn Mongol. They, they have no idea anything about me apart from 10 children. But I know a lot about them. When you have a group and have a party, when you get together, it's all right for Jimmy to play his own trumpet because he's a trumpet player. But you know what I'm talking about. Don't play your own trumpet. Come, learn about me. Let me get to know you. And your hearts begin to knit. And you live there? You have that type of difficulty? 
You live over here? And your hearts begin, how can I help? How can I be a friend to you? And you'll, you'll see, remember, he's just talking about the Pharisees. You know, they were just kind of proud and cocky, like, who's this guy going to show us we got him? And now they're kind of disappearing, time's disappearing too. I better hurry up. Then we come to verse 15. And verse 15 is the product, the result of one man in that group. So the Lord used the man with dropsy. And he was one of them. He was one of their own. Maybe a family member, maybe a friend, but he was part of that household. And you would think, yes, I want him healed. But in their own prideful, prideful heart, they weren't going to budge. And although they're happy he was healed, they're thinking he shouldn't have done it on the Sabbath. He should have waited till the Sabbath was over. How hypocritical, and, and let us not be like that. So verse 15, the Lord is talking about it's better. It's better when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, spiritual blind, spiritual lame, spiritual maimed, the poor. And get them, though, them. you'll be blessed. That's what he says. And thou shalt be what? Blessed. For they cannot pay you back. But the Lord sees all things, and he'll reward you. And we'll give our rewards back to Christ. Verse 15. And one of them, and when one of them that sat at the meat with him heard these things, I think he was, now you understand, the one in this group was part of them. And he could see the Pharisees not really taking this lecture quite well. This is not a party that's going good. And, uh, and so maybe out of, you know, to kind of kill the quietness or uh, smooth over some feelings, he kind of said this. He said, uh, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he, is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, Matthew Henry says this is the typical salutation that a lot of the rabbis would say. Um, not necessarily that he was one, but nevertheless, it was the thing to say. Not necessarily that he entered disagreement of understanding, but, you know, something to say to kind of break the ice. And the Lord picked up on that. He said, okay, you're right. But let me tell you who will be at the supper. Who can be at the supper? It's not anyone. This is where we have uh, the great supper. And then said he unto them, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at the supper time to say unto them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. They knew that such a supper was prepared. They knew that they were invited. And so when the time came and everything was prepared, the great supper, he sent out his servants that said, okay, it's time. I want you to come. The great supper here is a picture of the gospel. The gospel is complete, all prepared, all ready, nothing to be done. 
but waiting for men and women to come to receive. So he sent out his serpent, yeah, serpent, servant, I'll get that all right. <clears throat> and um, verse 18, and they all with one consent began to make an excuse. Didn't have the same excuse apart from they didn't want to go. And there was no reason why they didn't want to go. If they had an excuse, if men and women can say to God, God, I would get saved, but you know my family situation, it just turned me to you, I just can't get saved, but I have reasons why I'm not a Christian. There's no reason. There's no reason. Because the Lord can undo everything. And he can make right. And he can restore the years that the cankworm has destroyed. And so, <clears throat> with one consent. And the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and to see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And what a terrible excuse. He bought something without seeing it. You see how lame this excuse is? No matter how real our excuses and genuine they feel to us, they're just lame. We get a four-year-old grandson, and some of the things that he says, he, he's, he talks beyond his time, and he just says some of the, the quaint things. <clears throat> and, uh, and when he gets older, and if we repeat some of the things, he'll probably chuckle and laugh, you know, you know, and that's how we are. Our excuses is like little children. You know, why'd you do this? And they give you this off-the-wall excuse. And to them, it's genuine. You know, it, it works, you know. And their eyes get big, and they get really, you know, serious in their uh, drama of it. But you kind of say, hmm, this is, this is the weirdest thing I ever heard. <laughs> that's how we are. Then, <clears throat> then another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to prove them. So here he is. He, he bought some livestock. It's like somebody buying a car not knowing what it looks like and how it, it's going to run. But yet you bought it. And you went to it and realized it was a piece of junk. But, um, but both cases, they were willing to go. One was willing to go to the property he just bought. The other one was willing to work with his livestock, go to that area, to the fields. But they weren't willing to make the steps toward the supper, prepared for them. And that's our excuses. We have no excuse. They have no excuse. Then the last one thought that maybe he had the greater of the excuse. He says, uh, another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. If that was the excuse, Jimmy wouldn't be here. But uh, I'm glad he, they chose, both he and Anne chose to honor the Lord. How many husbands changed decisions of their wives to honor the Lord? How many wives changed the decisions of a man to honor the Lord and serve him? I think Matthew Henry mentioned the first woman, Eve, in the garden. She, she gave to her husband. He did eat. But this woman here forbade him from eating that was his excuse. Only if they just said yes. So there was no reason 
nothing on their part that would make a hindrance and keep them from coming. Nothing. Nothing. And uh, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto the servant. Now the master is a picture of God. And it says he was angry. Does God get angry? Well, Psalm uh, 7, verse 11, if you'd like to go to 7:11, it says, God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. This is the truth. He judges the righteous and is angry with the wicked every day. But he's provided a marriage feast, salvation for all to come and change all that immediately. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the manner of the house, then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. We just heard this. This all came from because that response, that one guy saying something, not quite if he really quite entered into the truth of it, but the Lord says, there is a something, a marriage feast, and these are those who are able to come. Not, every, not anyone, but only those uh, who respond. And the servant said, Lord, it is done, for thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. So the master told his servant to go out in the streets and the lanes in the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. I think that's what we do. A bus ministry. Inviting a friend. A friend inviting a friend. And we may say, it's not really profitable for us. Uh, it's more profitable than we realize. For the kingdom of heaven. For God, for Christ, died for all. And this is the only means that they can come to hear the gospel. Then let's go out. Let's go out. And so the servant is the picture of God, the Holy Spirit. You see, for only he can compel and draw. Men, we can only go out and witness and trust the Lord to do the work in the heart. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there's room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And so there's always room until there's time no more. And so today there's room. Today there's an opportunity for us to be a witness. Today... It's an opportunity for us to be silent about ourselves and focus on someone that has a need and try to bring him to Christ. What about those that were bidden? We are we're told their conclusion, their, their folly, because of no excuse. There was no reason. There is no reason why they couldn't come to the supper. But the reason they chose not to. Sad to say the gospel will come up against resistance. But that's no reason for us not to go. 
So as you make the best of your day today, find someone. Lord, put someone in my heart and help me. See, they're watching us. The world's watching us to find fault while they don't have to go to heaven. They don't have to obey the Lord. Let them not find fault in us, but may the fault lie in them. That, Lord, may we be the means of winning them to Christ, that they may have that joy of knowing Christ as the Lord and Savior. We'll just close in a word of prayer. Brother Kenny, my wife did mention some hymns, but bring them in. Is that in the hymn book? <laughs> do you want to be blessed today? <clears throat> How do you become blessed? Go out on the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. Very good. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your your great love and mercy to whosoever. And there's many whosoever's, Lord, that have no clue there's any mercy uh, spared to them. So, Father, we pray, use us. Lord, help us to speak of you, shine for you, glorify your name. And even today, Father, put someone in our heart and our path. I pray even for these men tonight. I have no clue what country they're from, but, Lord, you love these men. You sent them to our ports. 530, I'll be with men tonight. Lord, give me that opportunity to keep silent about me, but just broadcast everything I know about you, that they can come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And we ask this all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.